morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. Glad that you're here. Are you glad to be here? Oh, that's so, so nice to hear everybody's voices. Um, welcome to those who are joining us online as well. And you may be visiting with us. I don't think there's any uh, new visitors in the building today. Maybe there's new visitors online. We welcome you. And uh, I don't know about you. My prayer is that I want to experience the presence of God today. As we worship God, the Bible says that he comes and inhabits the praises of his people. And I was going to mention praise in just a little while, but it's so important that we praise God. The reason that we come together primarily is to worship God. And we do that, one of the ways that we do that is through praise, is through our songs. And as I said, I'll come on to talk about that in just a little while. But it's so important that we allow that expression of praise and of worship to come up from deep within our spirits and our hearts to glorify God because he is worthy of our praise. Do you agree that he's worthy of our praise? Do you know, I was thinking just this morning as I was reading my Bible, um, you know, we, we talk a lot these days about the love of God and some people think, you know, we, we talk too much about the love of God and we don't talk enough about the judgment of God. Do you know something? I, I was thinking about that, and I've been thinking about that for actually quite a long time now, many years, but I think what I've been realizing as I've been spending time with God over the last, uh, probably over the last few years, is that we're only beginning to grasp the depth of God's love. Do you know, we're only beginning to grasp the depths of God's love. We are encouraged to love other people and to love God and to love other people. And we're reminded by John, the writer of the letters of John, that God is love. And I don't know about you, I feel as if I'm only beginning to grasp how amazing the love of God is, how vast the love of God is, and how deep the love of God is, and how it can reach into our every experience in life. And we can experience and know the love of God in our hearts. And I just want us to, to reflect on that as we worship God today, to realize that God is a God of love. He is a majestic God. He is the God who created everything that we see. And we have come to worship that God and open up our hearts, open up our voices to really praise him this morning. And so that's my encouragement to us this morning, is that we worship this incredible, almighty creator God who is a God of of love, who is in essence love. Are you ready to praise him this morning? Yeah. Let's stand if you're able, and we're going to praise, we're going to open our time with prayer. And Father, we just thank you for your incredible love. Lord, we're only, we only just get little glimpses of it at times, but Father, we, we thank you that in Jesus we see your love demonstrated. Father, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to this world, that he was prepared to live in obedience to you, to die on a cross for our sin. Father, that we might have a relationship with you, that that relationship that was broken through sin might be restored. And Father, we, we are so grateful that you have opened up our eyes to see this incredible relationship that we can have with you. And Father, my prayer is that you take us deeper into that relationship, deeper into a relationship with you. Father, that we might just begin to have our eyes opened, our spiritual eyes and ears opened to grasp how incredible your love for us is. And so, Father, lead us, guide us. Father, be with us this morning. Father, we know that you're here, but may we experience your presence in this place today in new ways we ask. And so, Father, as we lift our voices to praise you, Father, we pray that that would come from a place of, of truth within us. Father, that we would worship in spirit and in truth this morning. And Father, we just pray that any distraction, anything that would keep us from coming to worship you would be put to the side today. Father, if we've been wrestling with sin, wrestling with guilt, wrestling with unforgiveness, Father, we lay those things aside this morning. This morning, Father, we bring them to your feet. Father, we just want to lay them at your feet and confess those things to you. Father, we lay them at the foot of the cross. And Father, we ask that we would experience that cleansing power of God, that we would experience that newness of life that comes from your spirit being at work within us. So Father, we pray, just enable us to worship. Father, enable us to pray. Enable us to just express what is within our hearts today as we come to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord.
just as we're worshipping this morning um, I just feel that it's the right thing to share this this morning Um, there are many names that God is named by in the Bible and as you begin to read through the Old Testament you find that there are many ways which he is referred to and one of them and we refer to it quite often is Jehovah Jireh which means Jehovah my provider God my provider and I was thinking about how often we use that verse and we think about God and, and probably your prayer triggered that thought within my, my heart there. The first time that Jehovah Jireh is mentioned is in the book of Genesis. And it's in the story, if you've read that story, I'm sure you have, where God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, the promised son, and sacrifice him. 
And to, to our minds, we, we think this is just this crazy. You know, why would God miraculously give Abraham a son and then ask him to sacrifice him? But Abraham, it says that the very first thing, the next morning he gets up and he takes two of his servants and they begin to travel towards the place that God saw, uh, God showed them. It took them three days to get to the foot of the mountain. And then he said to his servants, the boy and I are going to go and worship and then we will come back. And you know the story how Abraham is about to sacrifice his own son at God's command and then there's a voice from heaven and it's an angel and he says, stop. And in the moment where he says stop, Abraham notices that there's a ram caught in a bush and they use the ram as the sacrifice. And that's where this name Jehovah Jireh comes from because Abraham named God the God who provides on the mountain which God provides. But I'll tell you what's really interesting and what struck me. God provided for Abraham when Abraham was ready to give everything he had. Ready to give everything he had for God. That's when God stepped in. That's when God provided and I sometimes think we, we are praying for more and more and more and more and we have so much already. And I, I just wonder if God sent to some people today, what are you prepared to give to me? Are you prepared to give your all for me? Are you prepared to lay it all down on the altar, even give sacrificially? Are you prepared to give it all for me today? And I believe that in the moments where we are prepared and we come before God and we say, here I am, I'm willing to give you everything, whatever that might be, I give it to you. I give you my everything. I give you my all. It's in those moments where we begin to see the answers to prayer. It's in those moments when we begin to see the breakthrough that we're looking for. It's in those moments where we're prepared to give everything to God. Do you know, we are blessed with so much materially in our country. When we look around us and we look at the needs in other places, we are so blessed. God has given us a blessing to be a blessing to others. If you think about Abraham, you're blessed to be a blessing. Through you, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. We are here today because a man was faithful to God thousands and thousands of years ago and we are here today because of that Jesus came through that lineage Jesus died on that cross Jesus gave his all for us and we think about this God of love a God who gave everything for us he didn't even spare his own son he gave his everything for us the challenge is what are we going to give back to God what can I give back to God Lord, what can we give back to you that even comes close to what you've given to us? Father, you've given us everything in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, you've given us salvation. Father, you've given us eternal life. Father, you've given us a hope. Father, you have given us a future. Father, you have anointed us with your Holy Spirit. Father, you have come into our very existence, our very being. And Father, you have brought life and you have brought freedom. And Father, you have brought freedom from guilt, freedom from fear. Father, you have released us as captives. And Father, you have set us free. And Father, you have set us upon a rock. You have set us on a sure and firm foundation. Father, that rock which is Jesus Christ himself. And Father, we pray that you would move our hearts this morning. Father, maybe some of us need to pray that prayer. Lord, make me willing to be willing. But Father, we pray that prayer. And Father, may we be willing to be willing. Father, make us willing to be willing. Father, lead us deeper into a relationship with you. Father, lead us closer to all that you are, the all that you have for us. And Father, we pray that you'd cause us to rise up in the things of God. Father, to rise up and meet our full potential in Christ. Father, to be holding nothing back from you. Father, that we might serve you wholeheartedly. Father, we thank you about all these stories that we read in the Bible of the people who served you. Father, the people who gave everything for you. Father, the people who were almost ready to give up and then the breakthrough came. Father, we pray, help us, sustain us and help us to be faithful. 
Lord, as a fellowship, as a church, we pray, help us to be faithful to all that you've shown us. Father, help us to pray into those things. And Father, help us to keep moving forward in faith, keeping steps of faith in front of us. Father, we pray that you would be that light to our path and that lamp to our feet. Lord, lead us on in the things which you have for us. And so, Father, I just pray your blessing on this congregation. I pray your blessing on this congregation. Father, those, those who are here in the building in person, those who've gathered online, Father, I pray blessing. But Father, I pray that you bless us with vision. Bless us with sight to see the things which you see. Father, bless our hearts with a willingness to serve. And Father, I pray that you bless our hands and our feet with a willingness to pick up what you want to put into them, to go where you want us to go. And Father, to serve you with all of who we are. Father, to be holding nothing back. And so, Father, we pray, lead us in these things. Lead us deeper into a relationship with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated if you're not seated already. Thank you to everyone who's making church possible for us to gather together, the, the team who are serving us. I really appreciate your hard work and effort, the things that you do day in and day out, week in and week out. Um, I don't know about you, it's good to be in God's presence. Um, I'm so aware of God's presence in this place today. Um, I just want to pray for a moment, just for some people in the church, not necessarily by name. There are many people who need a touch from God, but let me just pray, and then we're going to turn to, to God's Word in a minute. Father, we remember that there are those who do have needs in our fellowship. Father, those who are struggling with grief and with loss. Father, those who are struggling with ill health. Father, those who are continuing to, to just take that step of faith, even to to, to do the things that they do every day. Father, we pray that you just encourage, that you would fill, that you would heal. Father, that you would be a comfort. Father, that you would be a strength and a rock to each one who needs it. Father, for those who join us online, uh, and Father, there are people who have connected with us even through email uh, just in the last uh, couple of weeks. Father, we pray your blessing on them. And Father, we pray that your plans would be fulfilled for them. And Father, we just ask that you would open up the things of the future for them too. And Father, we pray that they would be fulfilled. Father, we pray that they would continue to find your plan and purpose for their life. And Father, to walk boldly into it. Father, for us who have gathered today, Lord, we pray that you'd open up our eyes and ears, spiritually speaking, to, to really grasp something of who you are. Father, to grasp what you have put us on this earth to do. And so, Father, we just pray, anoint our ears. Father, anoint the speaker today. And Father, we just pray that your thoughts would be heard and shared in this place today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Okay, just before I forget to do this, because I will forget. Um, so let's have a Wallace and Gromit moment and say Wensleydale. I don't watch kids' programs anymore because my kids aren't kids, so I'm like, oh, I'll need to think of another excuse. Um, just to remind you, on Monday we have prayer at 9.30 on Zoom. Um, if you're able to join that, that would be great. On Wednesday at 7.30 this week we will have prayer on Zoom yet again. So I want to encourage us to be involved in those meetings and just to highlight one in particular, which is on the way, the 26th of January, which will be a specific missions-focused prayer time. And, you know, hopefully Anne will be able to give us an update on missions at some point soon as well uh, in, in church. That would be good. Are we okay? Good. Okay. So, I've just noticed that the title of my message is already up. Sneaking in. Getting a wee preview. Um, yeah, it's, it's entitled Three Legs and a Stool. Um, unusual title, but you hopefully you'll get what I'm, what I'm meaning in, in just a little minute. just wanted to remind uh, the church of something that I just feel God has put in my heart. I began to share about vision at the tail end of last year. I want to share again about vision just in uh, a short time, in a few weeks' time, and maybe try and, and help us to understand what it is that God is saying to us as a church and how that is to be worked out. So if you could pray into that, that would be really cool. I would really appreciate that. Senior leaders would appreciate that. But the statement that I made a few weeks back was sowing seeds of faith, reaping the generations. And I, I believe that God wants to do something new in the place, in this church, that is 
based on faith. It's based on things that we don't yet see, based on things that we don't yet grasp, but he's looking for us to step forward in faith, trusting in him. And I believe God wants to do some new things. I believe that God wants us to work in a way that's different from the way that we have worked in the past. And the result will be reaping generations. And I, I do believe God has spoken clearly to the church that there is a generation, a new generation that God wants to reach, a generation who doesn't know Jesus yet, a generation that God wants to bring in. And so I, I'm just sharing that right at the start. I'm going to be talking a bit more about that in the weeks to come. I'm going to reference five scriptures this morning. They're not going to be up on the screen, but the titles will be up on the screen. I'm going to reference five scriptures and the, what I say will be based on those five scriptures, okay? And the, the first one is really our command. And in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40, Jesus says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39 goes on to say, And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Really simple, isn't it? Who finds it really easy to do those things all the time? Okay, I'm in the right place then. <laughs> That's the first thing, is our command. The second thing is our custom. And Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. It's how we behave. You know, I ask people all the time, are you behaving yourself? And they go, well, I don't know. And I say, well, I didn't ask if you're behaving well. We all behave. Sometimes we behave really well, and other times we behave really badly. Hopefully, it's, it's the former, and we're behaving well. But doing to others as we would have others do to us, is about our behavior. The second thing in relation to our custom, and it's found in Luke twenty-two nineteen, is do this in remembrance of me. And next week, we will take communion together as a church. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Things that we do as Christians. The third thing is our commission, which we find in Matthew chapter 28, and it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is the church's commission. It's not Whitburn Pentecostal church's commission. This is the church's commission. This is what Jesus initiated the church to do. And then the last thing, and the last of the five scriptures, is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what we do when we begin to sing, as we declare the praises of God. But we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Five scriptures that set out our agenda as a church, our mission as a church. And within these five verses, I'm going to share three different areas that I hope we can focus on as a church as we progress into this year. And they're not unique to us. I did steal the titles from a guy called J. John. So he's to blame for me stealing these titles. But they're really, really useful. But coming back to what we were thinking about, three legs on a stool. You know, why does a milking stool only have three legs? And you know, it's because the cow's got the other one. <laughs> and talking about cows, what do you call a cow with three legs? Robert, you'll know this. Lean beef. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, just amuse me. Just humor me. I'll go away. Hopefully, I'll shut up. But the first of the three things that I want to talk about that we see in these five scriptures that we read is worship. Worship is focusing ourselves upward to praise God. 
It's all about that upward connection with God. Worship leads us away from the circumstances and leads us up towards God. And it's about our submission to a God who is sovereign. How do we begin the Lord's Prayer when Jesus was asked by his disciples, how should we pray? How did he begin that prayer? He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father, our Father. I think I've probably mentioned this. Last August, when we were on holiday, I took a little book with me, and I got as far as reading Our Father, and I was like, man, I think I've seen something that I've never seen before. And you might think, that's kind of obvious, Our Father. He's Our Father. But as I started thinking about how incredible God is, He's not just my Father. He's Our Father. He's not just Our Father. He's the Father of the disciples and the patriarchs who went before God is a father to all of us, and we are called the church. When Jesus says, I will build my church, I'm going to say this again. I've said it to a number of people. When he says, I will build my church, the Greek word that is used to record what Jesus said is the word ecclesian. Ecclesian, it's where we get the word church from. And it had an everyday, ordinary use, which I'm going to come to talk about in just a little minute. But the church is an assembly of Christians gathered together to worship God. We gather together to worship. And when some people say, well, I can be a Christian on my own. I don't need to go to church. I disagree really strongly with that. Because we pray, our Father. Now, you might identify with yourself as a with God as a Christian, you might not go to church. Some people may be tuned in with us today, but I want to emphasize that the church is a gathering of people, and I'm going to come back to this just shortly. A group of people who are called together to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and if you read in Deuteronomy, I think it's where we get this from, with all of our strength. Everything about us is used to love God, to worship God. And how do we do that? How do we worship God? I, I really believe that prayer is the thread woven through the entire fabric of everything that we do. Prayer is that thread that is woven through the entire fabric of everything that we do. We need to develop a prayer life. Who finds it easy to pray? Does anybody in here find it easy to pray? I I think prayer is challenging. And even the people who pray and pray regularly will say that prayer can be challenging at times. But prayer, we need to grasp the need to pray individually, but we need to grasp the need to pray together as a church. I want to re-emphasize on a Monday morning, if you have the opportunity to gather together to pray, then please do so. On a Wednesday night, if you have the opportunity to gather for prayer on Zoom, then please do so. Because prayer is the thread that's woven through everything we do. And to quote Gary, whose surname I've just forgot. Sorry? Davidson, who was here a while back, he said, nothing of eternal value is accomplished without prayer. Prayer is so important. We worship God through prayer. It's how we communicate with God. It's how God communicates with us. We worship God through praise. In the Psalms, there are 209 references just in the Psalms to the word praise. And 49 times, those 209, it's specifically linked with singing. We praise God through song. It's been the practice of the church for millennia, is to worship God through song, to praise God through singing. But there are other ways that we worship God, through ordinances. And the word ordinance really is referring to being orderly in our worship. One of the things that we do, and I quoted it earlier, is what Jesus said, do this, do this in remembrance of me. And when it's saying in remembrance, it means to to call to mind affectionately, to call to mind what Jesus has done for us. That's what we do every time we take bread and wine in the church, when we do communion, when we share communion together with our Father. One of the things, one of the ordinances that God has given us in the church, the second is baptism, the second ordinance in the church. And this is what we do because it's based on the great commission of Jesus. Go into all the world, let me read it again, 
Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Another ordinance in the church. It's the way that we worship God is through being baptized. And worship, of course, is expressed in so many different ways. It's expressed in what we do with our time, with our talents, and with our tithes. Worshiping God is expressed through what we do with our time, our talent, and our treasure. I wonder, how are we worshiping God with our time? How are we worshiping God with our time? When I talked earlier, and what I shared earlier, I hadn't planned to say that. I just felt it was something the Spirit laid on my heart about Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider, And he comes and he meets us at the place where we are ready to give up everything for God. How much of your time are you giving to God? How much of your talent are you giving to God? And how do we use our talent for God? And how much of your treasure do you use for God? We talk about the tithe in church where we give 10% of what we earn, 10% of what comes into our house. We give to God. We give to the church. And we do that in the local church. We give a tenth of what we have to God. It's called tithing. It's a principle that that begins in Genesis and weaves its way through the whole of the Bible. What are we giving to God? The first thing that I see in these passages is that we as a church need to learn how to worship God in all these different ways. I've only highlighted a few things today of the ways that we worship God. The second thing is about our well-being as Christians. I I think well-being and peace comes from the inside. And what did Jesus say? He says you shall know the truth. And it's not just a head knowledge. It's about it transferring to the very core of our being. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the Bible says that if the Son has set you free, you'll be free indeed. If you want to experience well-being, we need to get connected to the author of our well-being, which is God himself. You see, we don't need to be bound by sin. We don't need to be bound by guilt and regret. We don't need to be bound by unforgiveness. We don't need to be bound by fear. These are things which are like chains that get shackled round about us and they bind us up and they stop us from being the person that God wanted us to be. Jesus came to set the captive free. The most obvious place where we become captives is is in here, in our minds. And often the battle for the shalom that we look for, that completeness in God, is in here. And so well-being is is inward, and what we're really looking for is that shalom of God. Remember a few weeks ago the picture of the Lego model, completeness and complexity? We are complex beings. God wants to make us complete. He wants every part to be in place so that people can look at us and we'll talk about the next thing in a second and go, I want what they've got. Do people look at us and say, I want what that person's got? That's a challenge. I want what they've got. And I'm not talking about the person who's driving the big BMW or if you've got loads of cash. or what. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this inner shalom, this inner completeness that only comes from God and that our world really needs. We really need to see this in our world and we don't realize that it's not found in programs, it's not found in CBT and all these things. It comes from God himself and I'm speaking from experience. I'm not speaking as somebody who's never had mental health issues. I'm speaking of somebody who's experienced real depths and real despair at times in my life. What did I do? I began to focus on God and worship Him, and I began to ask Him for that peace that only He can give. And that peace comes from God. I'm not talking in some remote, arbitrary fashion. I'm talking about if we want to find that shalom, we need to come to God and we worship God and we find that peace in God. We find that peace sometimes as we begin to give God thanks for the things that he has done. How do we achieve well-being in the church? And one of the things that I had written down was pastoral care. And pastoral care is an important part of the church 
And it, but it's more than visiting the sick. It's more than praying for people. It's more than comforting people. It's more than helping people. It's also about teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. And there's a challenge that comes through pastoral ministry, or at least there should be. So, if as the pastor of the church, or other people who pastor the church, if we don't bring a challenge, then we're not fulfilling the thing that Jesus asked us to do. Because sometimes, and I've been in this place before, sometimes we're in a place where we're not living the way that God wants us to. And if you're not willing to receive the challenge from the pastor, or the pastor's not willing to give the challenge, then there's a problem. The only way we're going to be able to learn in God and change is if we are prepared to be challenged. Part of the pastoral ministry is to bring that challenge. The challenge is thrown out regularly from this very spot. The challenge to be holy. The challenge to live as royalty. The challenge to live in a way that glorifies God. A way where we can function as priests. Those who have come from a, a Roman Catholic tradition will be very familiar with the way that the priest works and how the priest is the intercessor between God and people. And some people refer to me as a priest, and I'm like, I'm not, well, not in that sense. I'm a minister, but I'm not a priest. But we need to grasp something here. The Bible says that we're all priests. It's not just about the person up the front being the connection between God and the church and the people, you know, it's like, it's like that kind of connection, God through me to, to you. I want to clarify something. It's about God to you, to the people who don't know God yet, and to the people who are trying to get to know God. It's not just about the person who's up front, it's about you. This is about the church. The church is the royal priesthood, the holy nation. The church is the people of God, chosen to be God's representative. And so when we think about well-being, there is that challenge that, that comes to us that we begin to understand that we are the priests. That, and through what I say, I hope comes across that we get this true sense of our identity in Christ. We read that passage. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. When God spoke to Abraham centuries ago, millennia ago, what he had in mind was this moment here. He saw you, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're part of something bigger. Our well-being comes as we study the Bible and as we get to know God, and as God reveals Himself through the Word. I, I think about this, and you, you probably remember me talking about the messages from a, a few months back about how do we hear from God? It's like, well, we hear God through the Bible. And yes, I agree 100% with that, okay? But how did Abraham hear God? How did, before he was Abraham, how did Abram hear God? He heard God, leave your country, leave your people, and he went up, and he done it. He followed God in faith. How did he hear God? We need to develop ears to hear the things that God is saying. But it's crucial that we begin to understand how God works and who God is through what he's already revealed through millennia of working with people. The Bible is a record of God's dealing with people, of God's plans and purposes, written over hundreds of years by around 40 different authors and we see woven throughout the Bible these threads that go all the way through, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. All of those things connected in one person, all the threads and all the strands gathered together in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything focuses around Him. For our well-being, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. I'm going to say it again. I even talked about the Holy Spirit during Christmas. How did I get away with that? I don't know. Because the Holy Spirit is how God lives in us. It's through His Spirit. And when we stand before an eternal God, and we all will one day, whether we believe God or whether we don't believe in God, whether we've accepted Christ as Savior or whether we've not accepted Christ as Savior, we will stand before God. And the seal, the mark on our lives that He's looking for is His Holy Spirit. 
Does my spirit live within this person? Yes. Yes. That's what God is looking for. And it's as the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to work in us and work these things into us so that they come out of us so that people go, I want what they've got. That's where that sense of well-being comes from. And the last W, of course it had to be all W's today, is witness. And witness is outward. Witness is about sharing. And I, I think as a church, we need to grasp this. We need to grasp the essential nature of being his witnesses. Why, why were the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost? What did Jesus say would happen? Yes, they were filled with boldness. Yes, they were filled with power. Yes, the things that Jesus had taught them all began to make sense and, and come to life as they were filled with the Spirit. But Jesus said, because you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, is that we might be his witnesses. But witnessing is about our relationship with others. Referring back to the five verses that I read earlier, go into all the world. We need to do something. We need to go. We can't just sit on our sofa and watch a yet another Netflix movie. We need to go. We need to do something. What do we need to do? We need to make disciples. How can we make disciples if we're not engaging with anybody? What did Jesus say? Love people. Love people. And Jesus didn't just say love your family and love the nice people in the church. And love your nice neighbors who are nice to you. He said you need to even love your enemies. Love your enemies. How challenging is that? And I don't know about you, but I find that really challenging. I find it really challenging to love those who don't not love me. I find it really challenging to love people who don't love others. And we switch on our TV and we see some of the things that are happening and we go, how can we love that person? How can we love that person for what they have done to them? How can we love that person? Do you know the church is full of stories of forgiveness of people who loved others when they didn't deserve to be loved in that sense. God is love and God loves us. Jesus says, do to other people as you would have them do to you. Who's never needed forgiveness? I don't know if there's any hands up online or any comments. <laughs> Feel free to do so. You see, I think we need to grasp something of this. And it's been really challenging during COVID to be a witness, I think, in the way that we were doing things before. But maybe we need to grasp our personal responsibility to witness because we're still meeting people. We're still coming into contact with people. We're still doing our shopping and, and all the things that we do. And, and I think if I had to sum it up, I would sum it up in, in this slide. I've used this slide before. It's about reaching people for Jesus. But it's all good and well to reach people for Jesus. It's another thing to win people for Jesus. So we can put on alpha programs and whatever and reach people for Jesus. But unless some people begin to be one for him and make that decision to follow him, then what's the point of just doing reaching? We need to be soul winners. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. Who wants to be wise in here today? Who wants to be wise online? Okay, I'm sticking my hand up. Loads of hands going up. I want to be wise. But the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. Winning people for Jesus. But then we need to grow people into disciples. That's where this whole pastoring bit comes in. This is where what we do together collectively as worship comes in. And then we get to the place where we're not just receivers, but we are people who serve others in Jesus' name. And it's very easy to be served. Who loves it when you go to somebody's house for dinner? Don't you just love it when you go to somebody else's house and they've been the one preparing the dinner, setting the table, making sure the place is nice and 
cozy and warm and you sit down and you enjoy your, your soup and whatever you have for starters and then the main course comes and then and they even they even do the dishes at the end you don't even need to do the dishes how good is it when you go to somebody's house and they serve you it's wonderful who likes being a servant it's so much more difficult and so much more effort and work to serve other people. But that's what Jesus has called us to do. I said earlier, we, the church, are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people chosen to be God's representatives. And how did Jesus say we should do that? He demonstrated it at probably the most stressful time of his life as he looked forward a few days, as he looked forward a few hours to Gethsemane, where he was so stressed that the sweat that was coming out of his body had blood in the sweat. That's how distressed he was. This is what he did for us. And at that point in time, when he's contemplating all this, he washed his disciples' feet. He took a towel and a bowl of water and he said, this is how I want you to be. I want you to be servants. We need to be these people If we're not actively trying to reach anyone, how are we going to win anyone? Just to finish off, because I'm aware that time's really marching on. Just as we conclude things, if you take away one leg of the stool, you don't have a leg to stand on, do you? You don't. Take away one of these legs from the church, and the church doesn't have a leg to stand on. If we're not worshipping, then we could be any social entity. We could even be evangelists for our cause. It could be, let's save the planet. Let's get a group of people together and let's think about climate change. You take God out of the picture, we could be any social network, any social movement. If you take that well-being, that shalom, that peace that comes from God out of the equation, well, who are we serving? Are we serving a God who doesn't care about us? Are we serving a God who's indifferent about the things that are happening in our lives? And God knows, and God sees the suffering. If we take out witnessing, I'll tell you what happens when we take out witnessing, and we need to grasp this, we become a time-limited community. If we take out witnessing, especially to the younger generation, we become a time-limited community. We'd be as well shutting the doors, going somewhere else, selling everything up, and starting from scratch. If we don't witness, we are a time-limited community. Up in the village where I stay, there is a church building which is now houses. A church building which is now houses. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard a story that somebody said, well, just keep it going until I'm away and then you can shut the door. I don't know about you, I find that distressing. The church is supposed to be this vibrant body of Christ, this expression of God in the earth. If we don't witness, we will become a time-limited community, especially reaching the generation that is coming up below us, the younger generation. And believe me, that is becoming more and more challenging as they don't know the Bible stories that I knew as a kid. I was the annoying child in the class, so every time there's a question, I know, I know, pick me, pick me, I know. There's a generation of children who don't know the answer. They don't even know what the questions are, never mind the answer. And we have a job to reach them. And there are two strands, just as I finish off, two strands that I want us to think about. This is, I'm going to skip this. This was the guy sitting on the stool with two legs. Um, skip that bit. We have a private responsibility. So I use that phrase, our father, at the start. When we pray, when I pray, I'm not just praying about me. I do pray about me. I do pray, pray about my family. But I'm praying about us. Our Father, my private responsibility to uphold you in prayer. My private responsibility to uphold P3 
people in your family who don't know Jesus yet. My private responsibility to uphold my friends, my neighbors who don't know Jesus yet. I have a private responsibility to worship, to praise, to get into God's Word and to learn who He is and to be changed and to experience the shalom of God. I have a private responsibility to lean into those things. And you have a private responsibility. But this is where it's different. It's not just a, a private responsibility. We have a corporate responsibility as a church to be His witnesses in this earth. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and He's talking about the global church that exists throughout time. That word ecclesian that is used there, this is how it is translated directly. An assembly of people convened at the public place of council for the purposes of deliberating. Let me read it again. The word ecclesian, church. The church is an assembly of people convened at the public place of council for the purposes of deliberating. There's a wider meaning to the word church as well. You've heard that word probably used in church circles over the years, ecclesian or the ecclesi ecclesiastical talking about the church. The church is a group of people called out of the world to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're called out of the world. We're called out of the world systems, the way that the world does things, so the baddie gets shot at the end, okay? If you watch TV shows, that's what happens all the time. The baddie gets shot at the end, and the goody wins. Now, sometimes God wants to do things a little bit differently where the, the body actually finds Christ and has the life transformed through the power of the gospel. We are that assembly of people. We have a corporate responsibility to one another. Tempted to say some things, I think I'll hold back and I'll think about it a bit more before I say it in public. We have a corporate responsibility. You have a responsibility to me. And I have a responsibility to you. Can I say that one last time? You have a responsibility to me. And I'm looking around all the faces. The lights are in the way of those faces. You have a responsibility to me. And I have a responsibility to you. We have a corporate responsibility for each other. We need to take that so seriously. And it's been so challenging through COVID. And we get that. It's been challenging. But we have a corporate responsibility to each other. I don't know if I can go back. There it's there. Three things that we need to grasp as a church. That we need to worship God, which is upward, and it's about our submission to a sovereign God. Well-being, which is inward, and it's about experiencing that shalom of God. And our witness, which is outward, where we begin to share what God is doing in us, we begin to share that out with others, so that they can begin to say, actually, there might be something in this. This might be the answer to the very depths of my need. Worship, well-being, and witness. Let's grasp these things based on those five scriptures that I shared at the start, which encapsulate the church's mission, why we're here, and what we need to do. The basics. These are the basics of church life. Let's put the basics into practice well. Let's just bow our heads, and uh, we're going to finish, our, finish off our time together today in prayer uh, once again. Father, we pray that you'd help us to be the church. Father, help us to be willing to be willing. Father, help us to come to that place where we are willing to submit everything to you. Father, to give our lives to you, to give our all to you. Father, help us not to be distracted by the, the things in the world which really don't mean very much in the grand scheme of things. Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who will bring it to perfection. Father, for those who are going through difficulty, those who are struggling, those who are suffering just now, Father, we pray, help us to find you in the struggle. Father, help us to find you in the suffering. 
Father, help us to find meaning and purpose in the difficult times. And Father, help us to cling on to you for all that we have. Father, help us to worship you in the hard times as well. Father, Father, to look for things to be thankful for when life is not going well. Father, we pray that we would experience that shalom that comes from you. Father, that completeness. Lord, we pray that you would make us complete. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to be witnesses today. Father, to those who've never even heard about Jesus. And maybe, maybe today there are people who are in church. You could be in church today. You could be online. And you've never invited Jesus into your life. You could be that person. You've never asked the Holy Spirit to come in. And you're kind of wondering, what is this guy talking about? That could be you today. And I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to pray that prayer and respond at the end by saying amen and coming and speaking to somebody. If you've never made a decision to become a Christian, pray this prayer after me into your heart quietly, or you can pray it out loud, whatever you feel that you need to do. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I'm beginning to see that Jesus is the answer. Help me to grasp this. Help me to give my life to you. Help me to experience that peace that comes from you, to experience that shalom, that completeness. Father, help me to be your child. I ask that you'd come in through your spirit, that you'd forgive me, that you'd make me clean, that you'd make me whole, that you'd make me pure, and that you would give me that hope and that future. That when I stand before you, you'll see your Holy Spirit in me. I ask this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, maybe some people prayed that prayer for the first time, come and let us know. If you're online, drop us an email um, through the website, church website, www.whitburnpentecostal.com. Let us know, and we want to help you on that journey. I just want to pray that you have a great week, that the Lord blesses you, that he makes his face to shine upon you, gives you peace, lifts you up, and gives you the ability to worship, to have that well-being, and to be witnesses. Amen. Thank you, Bet. All right.